the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. They just had a mistaken understanding of church. They were like one of these founding family types. Well, this is a ch- we founded this church, and I, we think we ought to have a say. Where is that written? And so they got themselves and him in trouble and created all this confusion. It kind of gets back to the idea of whose church is it anyway. It belongs to Christ. It's not a country club. So no know that elders can be easily removed. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall the mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed by each and every one of you for choosing to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith delivers another message from his sermon series entitled, Rethinking Church. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Acts, chapter 20. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. So it doesn't matter what you have. One no vote on something can delay it or stop it. Now, by asking for unanimity... There's no guarantee that the Holy Spirit will be working in all of us perfectly at the same time, but it allows for the working of the Holy Spirit and for providence. And so that kind of puts the brake on most mistakes, but they will make mistakes. I'll make mistakes. And when those mistakes are made, what do you do? Well, you want to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. And so pray for them, pray for us. Elders are to be prayed for and treated respectfully because they'll get, they're going to give an account to God, the great shepherd, for how they cared for the flock, and they're going to be held accountable for you. And it would be better for them if they did not face attacks on two fronts, from Satan and from one or two or three or four of you. And so we read in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your soul as shepherds. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. That would not be profitable for you. 
Now, what if an elder's conduct goes beyond a mistake? Well, there's a process for that, and we're going to get to that next. But meanwhile, I want you to realize, and each of these points is application. It comes with an imperative verb, right? Realize that your elders are to be accorded prayerful support and respect. That reality is application in and of itself. So, be careful how you spout off sometimes. Be careful of the emails that you send, or the letters that you write, the comments that you make in the hallway. And positively, pray for them daily. You can find their faces on the, uh, on the little booklets that we've handed out, the church directories. You can find their faces and names on the website. Pray for them. Maybe take an elder each day. Maybe pray for the board in, in general each day. Maybe send one of them an encouraging note or email. Take them to coffee, take them to lunch. Get to know them, thank them, encourage them. Particularly the so-called volunteer elders, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment. But to review, we've got two realities so far. Number one, understand that elders, pastors, overseers, shepherds are one and the same thing. Whether they're paid or not, same thing. And number two, elders are to be accorded prayerful respect and support and prayer. And number three, know that elders can be easily removed. Know that elders can be easily removed. There are two ways to do it. We'll start with the first, the one prescribed by Scripture. 1 Timothy five seventeen through 20 says this, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer is, deserves his wages. Verse 19. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that they may, the rest, the rest of the elders may stand in fear. I want to just focus again on 19 and 20. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. This is, an, this is an abbreviated church discipline right here. As those who, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all. There's some debate among the commentators if it's rebuking them in the presence of all the elders or all the congregation. Either way, this abbreviated form of church discipline starts with the private confrontation, but so the facts can be confirmed, and if they're wrong, then those elders repent or they face removal. If they do not repent, they will be removed, and it will be told to the church. It's a very public process, and it has a twofold effect. First, hopefully, it encourages people in the flock to be careful of the allegations they make because the results will be major. We take it very seriously. When you make an accusation, you make a charge against an elder, it usually results in a phone call, and you and I and an elder will sit down together to consider what you've said or what you've written, and then from there we determine whether you're credible or whether you're serious, and from there we go on to the board and we begin the process, okay? Now, it also, so it has a chilling effect on mindless gossip, grumbling, and spouting off. It also has somewhat of a chilling effect on the other elders. It makes them stop and think about their conduct and themselves and their attitudes. So it's a double blessing, you might say. 
And so that's the process. Uh, That's the first way. That's the way that scripture gives us. The way it normally works in churches in the United States is that people just discourage them until they quit. I know good and godly men who will never serve again and their families will not let them serve because they people poked and prodded and criticized and wore them down until they just flat out gave up. That's the way, that's, a, that's also a way. That's one of the two ways, the biblical way and the way of the world. Now, having said that, we get lots of wonderful cards and letters, spoken words of encouragement, some humdingers also. I shared one with you that I got several years ago. All that aside, one of the blessings of Hillside Church is that we have one of the more kinder and patient and encouraging congregations that I've seen in my ministry, and I'm grateful to that, and I know the elders are too. But years ago, years and years ago, at a church I was at, a family made a a charge against the student ministries pastor, and uh, most of it was silly, but they indicated they felt that he was unqualified and had disqualified himself from ministry, that he was no longer above reproach in their eyes, careless but serious words. So we brought them in. We had them. We had talked to them when we talked to the student ministries pastor. And then I said to them, are you sure? Are you sure that you want to go this route? And they, oh yeah, 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 yeah. They were angry. They insisted that he was not above reproach, that he'd disqualified himself. So we brought them together. I explained the procedure, you know, 1 Timothy 5, 19 and 20. This is where this was headed. And they could call him to repentance, but if he refused and their claims were justified, we'd fire him. I'll never forget the look on his face and theirs. And so they, they made their charge, and he very tentatively and fearfully explained that he could not repent because he felt he had done nothing wrong. And so I unpacked the word disqualify for them, and lo and behold, they backtracked. And tearfully, they said they wanted to withdraw the allegations. And they explained that they had let their emotions and their preferences get the better of them and petty resentments that they had to him that they now realized were sin. And I got to tell you, everybody in that room was greatly relieved. Uh, The student ministries pastor, uh, they were, and I think I was. But before concluding the meeting, I went on to explain to them that you, when you make an accusation like this, you know, you know, this isn't, the church isn't America. You don't have freedom of speech here. You understand that, right? You just can't say anything you want to about anybody. When you do, you're going to trigger a response. And even though this is America, the things that you say are a very big deal, and such, such charges need to be driven by moral failure or moral character or theological issues and not they don't need to be based on your feelings because your feelings don't matter they're going to change like the weather but facts are facts and these folks and these were good folks this this couple they usually would give you the shirt off their back if that if you asked for it they just had a mistaken understanding of church they were like one of these founding family types well this is the we founded this church and I, we think we ought to have a say Where is that written? And so they got themselves and him in trouble and created all this confusion. It kind of gets back to the idea of whose church is it anyway? It belongs to Christ. It's not a country club. So know, know that elders can be easily removed. 
and in two ways by the biblical process and by discouragement by picking at them by criticizing them by hammering on them by slandering them they can be easily removed so handle with care think before you accuse think before you speak think before you grumble and took a, take a look at yourself in the mirror that is the word of God. Take the log out of your own eye first so that you might see the help take a speck out of somebody else's. Which brings us to reality number four. Reality number four, which should be obvious by now. Elders have a complicated role to fulfill. You see this clearly in 1 Peter 5 where we, are, we see the names and the functions used interchangeably. And we see this in Acts 20, 28-32. We're going to look at that passage again that Gary read earlier. Acts 20, 28 to 32. What does it say? Pay careful attention to yourselves. He's talking to the elders from Ephesus. And to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's the call. We'll talk about the call next week. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Eldering is a call. We'll see that. That's verse 28 next week. No one in their own strength can fulfill a role like this. You go back through the text here, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. We all have our blind spots in which the Holy Spirit has made you, has made you overseers. This is their call to care for the church of God, which God purchased with his own blood. There's the warning about wolves. And then there's the warning that says, even from among your own selves, people are going to arise speaking twisted, perverted things to draw away a following after themselves. Man, what are, whew, I mean, this is, this is the best job I tell people they're ever going to have and the hardest, the best and the worst. Being an overseer, a shepherd, is gentle. It's a gentle and brutal calling, the best and hardest work you've ever done because shepherding is a lonely and exhausting task we talked about this before. The night of the Annunciation, where were the shepherds in their fields with their flocks at night away from their homes? Shepherding is dirty work. It's underappreciated. It's gritty. It can be a thankless job. Others were at home. The shepherds were there, not in their beds, but with their flocks. Shepherd, and, because, and here's the other thing, too, as we talked about before. The sheep tend to be nervous, disorderly animals, prone to wander, self-harm, endangerment, self-endangerment, a danger to themselves and other sheep. Elders have to lead them generally in a gentle way, in a calm way. And that's complicated. Where there are people, there are problems. And you're always under scrutiny from below and above, from the people next to you and from the God above. And there, there's the animal husbandry aspect of feeding and care and protection that we've already touched on. You see it all here on the text. And there's, of course, the brutal aspect, not simply mean-spirited comments or letters, like dear Saul, you know. But also this, look again with me at uh, the end of, uh, we'll look at 29 through 31. I know, I know that after my departure, fierce, fierce wolves will come in among you, not 
sparing the flock. Predators. You're loving and caring for the sheep, and you are on the lookout for predators. And, and the worst thing is this, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. And I've seen it. Years ago, we had to discipline an elder out of the church. You know, you, you know you just, there are just no guarantees. And wolves are in sheep's clothing sometimes are already in the flock among them. So therefore, verse 31 be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. So this complicated task has a watchman aspect that requires vigilance. Uh, there are attacks from within and, in and out. There is this constant state of alert, and there's this constant state of care and nurture and love and patience. And you see that Paul warned them to be on guard, to shepherd the flock, to care for the flock that the Holy Spirit had given them. And he talked about a three-year period where day and night, through tears, he trained these men for three years. You know, today, much is made about something called the Irenic spirit. That's called tolerance. More and more uh, biblical standards are labeled as uh, secondary or non-essentials. Statements of faith shrink. You know, things become less important. You have an important issue... And first, the church falls silent, and then they fail to confront it because it's complicated. You go from silence to complexification to capitulations. The elders can't allow that. The church is not a social club, and, and theology is never put to a vote. And it is the flock of God for which they'll give an account as to how they trained, cared for, it, and nurtured them. And there are limits to compassion and tolerance, particularly when you might be dealing with a wolf. And from time to time, there are wolves in sheep's clothing, and shepherds must be tough on wolves. So recognize the complexity of this task, this calling. It requires discernment. It requires character, conviction, sacrifice, courage, discomfort, endurance, and resilience. I'll give you an example. I know a man who spent a night with a sheep at the hospital and then went home, showered, and taught a Sunday school class the next morning. I've seen elders lose parents, friends, and children and go on to minister. We have a police chaplain here who is called out to shootings, suicides, crime scenes, all hours of the night, and then he comes here. He comes from that world to this world. My point is you never know what these men are really going through or dealing with, and so be patient with them. Here at Hillside, we have two kinds of elders. This gets back to the complexities. We have the so-called lay elder. I really don't like that term. And the so-called staff elder or paid elder, which I equally dislike that term too because it subconsciously affirms some kind of dichotomy or some kind of club or organizational mentality. What we really have are volunteer elders and vocational elders, and they are one and the same. They are one and the same. Uh, the difference is I think sometimes the volunteer elders work harder because they have full-time jobs and they come here for 20 hours a week on top of that. But they all have the same call, and we'll get into calls next week. They disciple, teach, shepherd. They meet with folks. They counsel folks. They weep with those who weep. They rejoice with those who rejoice. And guess what? 
they're not omnipresent and neither am I. We cannot be everywhere all at once or know everything that's going on all at once. And then sheep say, do rash things, dumb things, as well as important things, as well as glorious things, and these men carry their burdens. And that's perhaps why Paul says this in 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. Let the elders who rule, let the elders who rule well, the elders who govern, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. Handle with care. Handle with care. This gets back to treating them with respect, praying for them, encouraging them, whether they are paid or volunteer elders. Theirs is a complicated, wearying role with sleepless nights, long days, and joyous days. From church plants to baptisms to seeing people come to Christ to seeing people grow in the Lord to seeing people step up and serve, baby or parent dedications. It's the best role a man can have in a church and the toughest. It's the best job and the toughest. We tell people when, you co- when, 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 they, when you're nominated to be an elder candidate and you're vetted by the leadership development team, which is like the nominating committee, we tell people, get ready. If, if, you, if, if this is what you want to do, it's the best and the worst thing you're ever going to do. So recognize that elders have a complicated role to fulfill. Remember, there's a lot going on that you don't see that doesn't meet the eyes, so be slow to judge and criticize them. And before you blast, ask. And if you ever encounter a grumpy elder, and that's not like Bigfoot, a fictitious thing, just know, you never know what fire he's just put out. You never know who, ju- who just died. You never know what they're going through, what they've seen, how many hours they've been awake without any sleep. I'm not making excuses. They're just people. So to review, you know, we have the four realities. Number one, understand that pastor, elder, overseer, they're the same thing. There are no artificial distinctions here, whether they're paid or volunteer. Two, realize that your elders are to be accorded prayerful support and respect as God commands in Hebrews 13, 17. Three, know that elders can be easily removed, 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 20, or we can just discourage them. And four, recognize that elders have a complicated role to fulfill as the Holy Spirit revealed in Acts 20, 28 to 31. So what do you do with all this? What do you do with all this? Well, this is a series called Rethinking Church, devoted to church. And I would like you to rethink maybe how you thought about elders and how you thought about the church. And rethinking church, ask yourself, one, are you devoted to the builder's plan? Well, that includes elders. That's part of his design. And are you devoted to the church? Christ said, I will build my church. He's going to build it a certain way. Ask yourself, am I devoted to that way? And then pray for and encourage your elders. Let them serve with joy and not with groaning, for that would be unprofitable for you. So with that, let's enter into a word of prayer. Father, as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's table, for communion, Lord, we've just talked about elders. Lord, they're called different names in the Bible, and regrettably, sometimes they're called different names in the church. And it can be for them, as it is in Dickens' novels, the best of times and the worst of times, Lord. Help us to pray for these men, particularly the volunteer elders, Lord. And Lord, as we prepare for your table, help us to ponder and reflect on our attitude toward the church 
because how we love the church and how we treat the church is really how we treat Jesus Christ. And that includes our attitude toward the elders, to the people that you've raised up to lead this church for such a time as this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.